Hi, this is Alina and Megan, and you're listening to Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast, where we dive into all things health, wellness, and fitness. We are two certified athletic trainers, personal trainers, and nutrition coaches who met and graduated together from the University of Arkansas. And we want to do this podcast to spread our joy about treating our bodies well through nutrition, exercise, and knowledge. Today on Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast, we welcome Beverly Simpson. Beverly is a former fitness manager for Crunch Gym in Manhattan, New York, and she turned herself into an online business owner. She is a certified personal trainer, pre- and postnatal specialist, and she has a ton more certifications in movement, but her passion is the science of training and teaching people how to sell their products and teaching trainers, smart, intelligent trainers, how to market themselves appropriately. Now, she actually helped me with my business for a while, and I gained so much from my time working with Beverly that I knew we had to bring her onto the podcast today. So we have her here, and we are so excited to present this episode to you. So we hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the podcast, Beverly. We're beyond excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. Well, we're pumped because I've worked with you for a while and the amount of stuff that I've learned in my time working with you has been quite mind-blowing. I have learned that trainers don't always know exactly how to sell themselves, even if we know exactly what we're doing. So definitely want to talk about marketing and I think you're going to bring a great different type of voice to our show. So tell us a little bit about yourself and then we can go from there. Yeah, sure. Okay. So uh, how far back you want to go, I guess. <laughs> I'm Beverly Simpson. Thanks again so much for having me on your show. I love it. You guys provide such a wealth of knowledge for personal trainers and physical therapists to sharpen their skills. So it's honestly a pleasure and a privilege to be here. I got into personal training. i I mean, it's been a long time. I want to say seven, eight years ago, really long time. Got into it because I had come from the musical theater world and I had believed that my perfect job was going to be on the other side of fixing my body. And I had this like really serious thought that if I could just work myself out enough, I would become, I would, my body would match my voice. And so what that didn't happen what really happened was, you know, I was working out so much. So I ended up being in the gym a hundred million times. And so it just made more sense to become a personal trainer. And someone had given me this advice when I was in high school and it was a Broadway performer. Like we came to New York and she said, if you love something else, do something else. And I've come to realize now that what she really was saying was that you need to love the process more than the outcome because that's where you're going to spend your time. So now I'm a personal trainer and I'm working out there all the time. And I felt like I was finally helping people. And I felt like I was leaving a narcissistic industry. Then I had my children and I really realized, oh, wait a second. You weren't leaving a narcissistic industry. You just were obsessed. You know, you just had a lot of body image stuff that you had to work through and manage. And so that's what ultimately led me to being in the online space. Because after I got pregnant with my second kid, I was a district fitness manager. I was the fastest personal trainer that went from PT to assistant fitness manager to fitness manager to district fitness manager. And then I got pregnant with my second daughter and realized I just can't spend 
that much time in the gym and there's got to be something else. So I started my online business, Serving Moms. Well, so then that's actually transformed even more. So you made a big change this year in 2020, not that long ago, a few months ago. And I think that change has been different for what a personal trainer usually evolves their business into, but it's working so well for you. So just tell us a little bit about that change. So the thing to remember as I, for any, I'm sure lots of fitness managers know this, is that when you go from being a personal trainer into the gym to assistant fitness manager, fitness manager, what ends up happening is that you spend a lot of time teaching personal trainers how to sell and how to build businesses. And specifically, and that I know that's not true across the board, across all gyms, because I know Equinox has two separate, you know, they have a selling team and they have a science team. So I know that that's not true across the board, but at least at my gym, it was. And so my job as a fitness manager was to hire and develop personal trainers, both in the science and in the sales and marketing. And so that was really what my zone of genius was and where I spent the majority of my time as a fitness manager for me personally. And I know that that's not true for all fitness managers, but for me, that was just really my zone of genius. I was really good at being able to sell packages for trainers and then help them do the same. So then when I transitioned into the online space, I had this belief that, oh, I did that in person. That was my in-person job. I can't translate that into the online space. I have to build this massive $1 million business. Well, that's like saying, hey, you have to have a six pack in order to you know, train people. That's just not the case. It, that's also like saying, my friend, she had a baby. So should I have her deliver my baby because I had just because she had one? Or am I going to go to the OYN that's like a trained professional, right? But people get into their minds and think that these are the things that, that are just true because that's what they believe, right? That's what was happening to me. And so I would come into the space. I built my membership. I did all this stuff. And then I would have all my old trainers be like, Beverly, how do I do it? And I'd be like, no, I can't tell you that. I know that's not my, no, no, no. And then, you know, we went, got into the pandemic and one of my mentors who taught me, I was his assistant fitness manager. He reached out to me and said, Hey, can you help me with this? And when my mentor asked me, I was like, yes, of course I can help you with this. And then that was just, then it just blew up. And then I realized that this is truly, you know, I call it getting into alignment and realized, okay, this is my zone of genius. It is easy for me to look at, you know, take a 30,000 foot view perspective and help people see what they can't see in their messaging and in their marketing and help them package and put together their products and service to sell it in a way that serves instead of in a way that's just like, you know, gimmicky. Here's, you know, buy this, buy that. So this industry, especially since a lot of things have gone online and are about to go back online in a lot of people's cases, since we're about to lock down again, most likely, this industry is pretty saturated in general. And I know that a lot of people, myself included, and I know Alina has felt this way as well, especially as we get to know people that are have more experience than us or have more quote unquote followers than us or whatever. Imposter syndrome is a very like real feeling that I think a lot of trainers have. Do you have any, anything that you do for people to work through that when they're, you know, getting into this whole like 
actually owning their own marketing and not feeling gimmicky. Well, there's two things that you brought up. And so I want to, you talked about market saturation and imposter syndrome, and they typically, I definitely see this a lot and how it comes together. And so I'm going to say two things. So first, when it comes to market saturation, what we're really talking about is market sophistication. And what I mean by that is it comes from this concept called breakthrough advertising, which basically means that when you're, there are five levels, when you are starting out, when you're the first person to market, right, you kind of you win. You get to win in the sense that you are an automatic authority because nobody has ever heard of this. They're like, wait, what is this? You're the first person to bring up calories and that we have to talk about, you know, we have to know our calories in order to lose weight. So you automatically get to become an authority on that and people just automatically believe you, right? And then as more people start to enter the space, you have to go to the second level, right? And the second level is when people are kind of, they've heard about this and maybe they know, you know, they've got a couple of options. So this is when you start to layer on your types of process. Like this is my process. This is what helps me set myself apart. And then as you start going up this, you know, market of saturation rather, what really starts to pull you apart is your own unique methodology, your own unique context, your own unique process and the way that you do it and the way that you deliver results and connect with your people is what's going to be what sets you apart from everybody else in the industry. But the way that you're able to do that is first focus on it, right? And the same, you, and what I mean by focus on it is just become aware of that this is what you need to do because the brain is always looking for what's new, unique, and revolutionary. And so when you're first new to the space, this is why people get, you know, I talk about beginner's luck, right? This idea of beginner's luck is usually twofold. People don't know that their experience can sometimes be a double-edged sword. They don't know that there's more to learn. So they just kind of bring this competence, this confidence to the space, right? And they're new. And some, and people have never seen them before. So they get to almost have an edge, right? So that's how you set yourself apart is your context, your unique process and way of doing things. Because remember you and me, we could literally explain something the exact same way to someone and it's going to land on people differently. I love that. That makes total sense. Just yeah. finding your own voice. Yeah. And then to your imposter syndrome, because I do want to speak to that too, because that is a big thing. And first of all, it happens at every level, every, like every time you grow or you level up and you get uncomfortable. And the reason why that's happening is that's also brain-based. We know, and your audience knows that every time you need to make a change and you need to do something different, your brain is going to fight you. It's the defense mechanism of, nope, that's not who we are. Nope. That's not what we do. Even if it's for a good reason, even if it's for our health or to grow, right? So we have to, in order to get to the, that next level, get comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's when the change is going to occur. You have to show your brain that this is what you do instead of just say it, mm -hmm. right? You always stay in your safe zone. You're never going to go any further than you are you are anyway. Absolutely. So imposter syndrome is coming up because it's your lizard brain or the reptilian. <laughs> 
and sending you that urge of like, nope, this is not what we do. This is not what we do, right? And so typically what I'll say to people who are going through this, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this with love because it's something that I've had to acknowledge also in myself is that if you're having those feelings, then you really have to ask yourself, where is your attention? Is your attention on yourself or is it on your client? Because typically when you are going through, I'm not good enough, I'm not, I, so-and-so is better than me, that's attention on you. <laughs> when you wake up in the morning and say, what do I need to say to my people to serve? What do they need to hear from me? Then you're going to move your attention off of yourself and on to who you need to serve. And also to remember too, because this was funny too, and I'll put it in context in terms of, you know, working out, you'll all hear from people who are completely shredded, like literally they're shredded. They've been in body competitions. They come to me and say, you know, people are too intimidated to work with me because they think that it's just out of their, it's too out of their context that they're never going to achieve that. So I can't work, they can't work with me. So sometimes when you're too far up or too experienced or high up in your level of where they're at, it seems unattainable and people will have reasons to not work with you. That's interesting. That's very you know? interesting. Yeah. Well, it's like, I remember being in my chemistry classes when I was an undergrad and like the professor was a freaking like God-given genius and they're sitting up there trying to teach a bunch of, you know, freshmen in college general chemistry and they just can't even they can't even think on that level so they they just completely miss the boat and nobody learns a damn thing mm -hmm. whereas if you've been in someone's shoes or if you can really just put yourself in their shoes to so just you know if you're not an empathetic person maybe find a way to gain some empathy i think that's probably where you're going to be most successful for sure and i also operate too from a place of you know there's 8 billion people on this planet we cannot one person cannot train everybody yeah. right and i think of it too you know especially it's interesting because this this has come up recently i work my mentor is james wedmore and i remember when i first entered this space i said to him sometimes i feel like i'm doing my clients a disservice when they're working with me when they can work with you which is just another way of saying, I am feeling like an imposter. This is when I first came into the space, right? It's another way of saying, I'm not as good as you are, right? And so, of course, he talked me off the ledge in the same way that <laughs> my clients off the ledge, right? And it's also a number one reason, this is just a slight segue, but this is why I'll always have a coach, is because coaches are there to help you see what you can't see. And you cannot change what you cannot see right? They're there to help you identify those blind spots. And so that doesn't mean that you're not a good coach. That's something else I'll say to my kid, to my clients, my children. <laughs> I said, <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I'm sure you will tell your kids that eventually. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, it's not about who's better and, and whatnot. It's just about being able to connect with somebody that can help you remove those roadblocks, right? And so What's interesting is that just recently, him specifically has just, his name just got completely character trudged through the mud. He had a past client that basically just dedicated two hours of time, I can't get back, to just trudging his name through the mud, right? 
that's all to say to write, you know, for me to realize, see, I love him. Someone definitely doesn't. Right. And that is not a bad thing. That is a good thing. And it's as you're putting yourself into this space, it's going to happen to you too. People will love you and people you will not be for them. And I'll say too, that that has absolutely nothing to do with you. Whatever someone says about you or to you, what they're really doing is just speaking about themselves. (laughs) Right. Those are hard lessons. Yeah. I think, that's also a very interesting point because you might connect really well with one person and not well with, you know, your next client and maybe you refer that person or whatever, but always just knowing that just not taking it personal and just taking it as just a learning experience. There are definitely certain things that I've taken away from doing sessions with you, certain sayings, which I'm going to have you repeat that you tend to say (laughs) that do mean a lot. And I think a lot of our sessions did have to do with that insecurity of, you know, not thinking I'm good enough. And I'm sure a lot of clients are struggling with that. I think one other thing that you really, really helped me with is messaging and making sure taking some type of a post or a newsletter, whatever, and making it sound like me, but also making it to that person, like making sure that you're actually talking to your readers. So can you talk a little bit about how you help people change their way of messaging. And then we're, I'm going to ask you about your, your quotes. Oh my gosh, my quotes. I'm like, wait, which ones I, I have? A, oh, a- you have a list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So when it comes to messaging, right? So this is also speaks a little bit to, you know, Megan's point of how do you set yourself apart, right? It's going to happen in your messaging. So first of all, and, you know, we're also... It's going to happen in your messaging. And I was going to talk about offer. They go hand in hand, your messaging and your offer. And really, when I'm talking about messaging, I'm talking about the way that you communicate, you know, what makes you new, unique, revolutionary, and what makes, and your transformation that you provide. What is the transformation that you provide for your client? And for me, I help my clients kind of put that together in their own methodology in terms of, you know, if you were to have one North Star, what is it that you are talking about? How are you going to be able to facilitate a transformation? What is the process that goes in there? This is why I'll, I'll often start with the offer and most marketing people don't because they don't want you, we don't want you to create an offer that nobody wants, but sometimes this is how I'll help you figure out who it is that you serve because most trainers, most PTs, they've had the privilege of working with a whole bunch of people. And so when you get people to start narrowing in on one type of person, and that doesn't just mean demographics. I'm not saying you can only work with this one person, but your messaging, it has to speak to one person for two reasons. Number one, what is most personal is often most general. So the stuff that people don't talk about, the stuff that people feel like this is only happening to me, actually happens to a lot of people. And a lot of people go through this, which is your business, right? This is why you don't need to have 100,000 millions of followers. You can have 1,000 or even 100 people. You can't train 100 people at one time. I mean, maybe you could if you've got a team, but if you're doing one-on-one, 
you know, you don't have a hundred hours in your, you know, in a week. I mean, you've got to sleep, right? I mean, think of it like this. Okay. So if you were to train every single person's following on your Instagram, you just wouldn't be able to do it. Right. So that's why in your messaging, you want to speak to that one person because when you can speak to that one person, chances are you are going to speak to tons of people because they're all going through the same thing. And this is why you want to be able to identify what their struggle is, what's their problem. It's more than just, you know, what's their demographics, right? What is it that is keeping them up at night? Because I can promise you it's not, oh, I need another membership. I just need to get a perfect course. That's not what's keeping up your people at night, Mm -hmm. right? And so... So when you are able to identify what that struggle is, then you can start to carry your people through a journey. Now, this is something that, you know, this is where the storybook brand or the story brand, I can't remember the actual title of the actual book, but this is a concept that comes from Don Miller, which is the storybook brand. That's what it is, right? Because you want to be able to carry your people in your content through a customer journey. Because once you can identify what it is that they're struggling with, this is who they are. This is where they're like, I cannot, I'm, I'm losing my temper at my children. I cannot fit into my clothes. I've lost my job. These are like all the struggles. Then we need to know where it is that they want to be. Where, what's the goal? And more than that, he doesn't talk about this point, but it's really important is to know why, what becomes possible for them when they achieve this goal. Because that's, the real, that's what's going to help people stay disciplined when it gets hard is when you can speak to the why Mm. and overcome. That's when you'll be able to overcome the objections. And now an objection is as simple, like, yeah, but not just the sales and the money, but this is people have objections to the transformation. Like, "Uh, I'm just not, I'm not good enough, or I can't, I try everything and it doesn't work. And I'm just, (laughs) much pain. It's not possible for me, right? This is why experience is a double-edged sword. They have evidence that that is true and you have to overcome that. And you can, you get to overcome that in your content, right? So then your North Star, what you actually create, put together, this is going to be the way that they get there. This is what I think what Mr. Miller misses is he talks about you as the guide and he talks about your client. They're the hero, but how are they going to get there? You're the guide, you're driving the car. What is the car? The car is your own unique process. And that's, what's going to help you stand apart in, in the space. And then when you wake up every morning and you know what this content is, or you know what this car is, you know what this methodology is or your process. And you ask yourself, what does do my clients need to hear from me? Then your content starts to be for them and you can start to write content. That's going to help them get to where they want to be from where they're struggling. Yes. That's one of the biggest things that I've taken away is that I maybe used to write more content geared towards myself. And now the content, well, when I have Instagram is geared towards myself, but also towards other people and just what their points are that I want to kind of go after or things that I see in myself that I also see with my clients. 
Right. And when you get this right, you don't have to sell. And I'm putting sell in quotations. But what I mean by that is you don't have to work hard. They are already at this place of like, they've now accepted that you're an authority based on your demonstration that you can do what you say you can do, even though if it, even if it's just yourself or your clients, right? Now they're accepting that you are an authority and that you are showing them this is how what's possible for this client is also possible for you. Yeah, it's like the growth just happens. Yes. And the other thing that too with messaging that gets hard is that you want to make sure, and I, a lot of people struggle with this, is that, or many people struggle with this, is that you want to be polarizing, but you can be polarizing and kind. It's not about making somebody wrong, right? We're not trying to make someone wrong because then you're just feeding your ego, mm-hmm. right? But you want to shift a perspective that is holding people back from getting to where they want to be. And so it's not about making them wrong and pointing out your pet peeves. It's about something that is happening in the industry or other coaches are putting it out there. And it is holding people back, preventing them from becoming strong movers. I was going to say that is such a good point. And I actually, because I've been kind of following like other trainers and like sort of their reading into like how they speak and seeing how I feel even if I completely agree with them and like what their message is. And if it's like really negative and like just putting people down, it's like politics, right? (laughs) Like obviously both far sides think that they're correct and they just bash each other. And honestly, it looks bad on both sides. So if you can find a way to say things in like a positive and just like only really focusing on the positive rather than only pointing out the negative, I feel like that to me, I mean, and I'm not one of the consumers for my content, obviously, But just looking at other coaches and how they speak, I always feel, I feel more drawn to people that just speak positive and give opportunities and give, give knowledge rather than like putting someone down at the forefront of their post. Yeah. I, you know, I know that this is tricky because this is also a nuanced conversation in the sense that, you know, two things are at play here. Because number one, a person will move away from pain faster than they will move towards pleasure right? So we can talk all the time about like, hey, this is what's awesome about working with me and this is going to transform your life, blah, 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 blah. But we still also want to highlight the consequence of what will happen if they don't. And that is not the intent and it's not with the intention to purposely hurt people, right? It all goes back in my opinion to what's the intention behind this post. Are you putting this post up to just talk about how annoying it is when somebody does something you don't like? Are you putting this post up because you are purposely trying to ruffle feathers or because Beverly told you you needed to write a polarizing piece, right? It all goes back to what's the intention, right? And for me, when I'm, you know, writing out a post, I can still be kind and say, listen, it's the same thing I tell my children. I, you know, and that's kind of my barometer and it's, I'm a parent. So that it's an easy barometer for me, but I want to tell my children what the consequences are without freaking them out and without, you know, cause I don't want to put fear into them, but I do want them to know that there is a consequence. And if they, you, they can make that choice, but there will be a consequence right? So that's kind of my barometer. If I'm like, if I would say this to my kids and it's going to be moving, then it's okay. I'm going to say it. I'm going to let my clients know because 
I want them to know what the choice is. That's a potential that could happen. And I'm sharing that with you so that you don't make that, so that you can prevent yourself from doing that. Because why continue to struggle? I know, I always say so that. That's- I'm laughing because of that. <laughs> I'm laughing because you just did a marketing in that sentence. <laughs> and you did messaging in that sentence and most people wouldn't even recognize it. But the so that mm-hmm. is a Beverly line. And what is the other thing that, well, there's definitely a few things you used to say, but. Well, that's, a, I'm glad that you actually heard it, A, and B. That's, I, yeah, I always see it and I hear it. I can't ignore it now. Once you know something, you can't unknow it. But that's a good point, right? That's one of the ways that I'll be able to explain why I'm telling you the consequence, right? I'm telling, I'm sharing this with you for a specific reason, not because I'm trying to hurt you or put fear in you. I'm just literally shining a light in a corner that you might not have thought of. And so I do feel like there is nuance to that. And sometimes when people are learning this, myself included, right? Myself included, this is something too that's really hard for people and it was hard for me is that you've got to be able to look, go back and look at your content and look at your stuff critically and not emotionally in the sense of like, oh, I'm a bad person. I, I, I learned this. I didn't do this right or this wasn't, you know, perfect but you want to be able to look so that you can learn the lesson. You know, I'm sorry. I always go back to my kids, but could you imagine if you're a child tried to start walking and then they walked and fell down and said, Oh, I fell. I'm just never going to learn to walk. No, they walk, they get up, they take some steps and they keep going. That's what helps them. And then one day they just become unconsciously competent and walk. You have a post on that. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Same. No, you do. (laughs) Same thing is true. When you're, you know, learning your messaging and figuring this out, sometimes you'll draw a line in the sand and make a case for something and then change your mind. And that's okay. You're allowed to, but you're not going to learn unless you try, Right. you know? I love that. But I do think that that is a nuance, you know, and I do think that that does take practice. But for me, when I'm deciding whether or not you know, I'm asking myself, Beverly, is this a pet peeve is, or is this something that you really want to shift? And I'll speak specifically to, you know, weight loss. Cause I was talking about weight loss a lot. I was right in the time where you had this huge movement towards body positivity and feeling like if you talk about weight loss, you were, you were a villain. And I took a hard stance on like, listen, some, for me, my health was at stake if I didn't lose the weight. And so I cannot villainize weight loss because that's just not true for everyone. So I took a stance on this. I also took a stance in the diet culture feeling of feeling like, Hey, you know, that's just not a sustainable life. It's not designed for that. Most people don't realize that or recognize that. And when I say most people, I'm talking about your clients. This also goes back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier that a lot of people forget is that remember whoever you're following and your friends, we're colleagues, like-minded, it Mm -hmm. starts to feel like everybody's talking about it, which is just not true. Go I realized look- that the other day. Go the look- other day? Well, with nose breathing, I was talking to somebody at, like on the street or I don't even know, like so one of my clients' husband. And he was like, oh, I've never heard about this. And I was like, oh, I guess this isn't like no most, thing. And I think- Most personal trainers, most clinicians don't know that. I know, but you- <laughs> right. We live in a bubble. We, we live-, live in a major bubble. Yeah live in but 
but that's why it's important not to like be derogatory towards people that don't know because it's not their fault like it's not common knowledge the only reason we know this stuff is because we find it interesting and it became our professions yeah a lot of people found working for facebook really interesting and that became their profession yeah and i have no idea how the hell facebook works so you know Exactly. Right. I mean, kindness and compassion are going to be, and I also think too, this comes from experience as well, right? Experience is a double edge sword. You know, we walk, we fall, we get a bruise and then we get scared to do it again. Right. So, and then we become jaded. This happens to me all the time. Right. And this happens to trainers, especially as they start to do multiple you know, sales calls, or they're doing a hundred kickoffs. By the time you get to that 10,000 kickoff that you've done, you already are going in with context and evidence of what's happened before. And so you start to treat every per. you forget that every experience and every person is new and it's new for them. This mm-hmm. is not the first time. This is the first time that they've done this with you. It might not be your first kickoff, but it is theirs with you. Yeah. And that's hard to remember. And it's hard to put that into practice, to remember that every day, every moment really is new and fresh. And the evidence that you have and your experience, we have to let it go. So awesome. It's very true. Yeah. The one Beverly quote is the one about being right where you are. What's that one? Well, I say that because this is something too that I had to learn. And it kind of goes a little bit with your imposter syndrome question too, which is that, you know, sometimes it feels like you're behind because you get in and you're like, I'm late, I'm late, I'm in a rush and I'm in a rush, right? And so sometimes for me, I had to remind myself and I still, this is something I still remind myself is that sometimes you have to slow down to speed up. And when anyone tells me like, I'm in a hurry or I'm in a rush, I'll tell them that you are a hundred percent exactly right where you need to be. That one, there's another one. Two reasons. You're either going to get the lesson that you need or the success that you want. Yep. Is why. Love that. You're in a rush. I got that from my mentor. And if you're in a rush, you're going to miss lessons, right? This is the other reason why I almost, people say to me too, you know, I just want to be successful. And I actually would rather you fail faster. Because when you are accidentally successful, you run the risk of potentially A, not know how to replicate it because it just was an accident. And then two, your expectations, right? Goes back to your evidence. Your expectations become, oh, well, I'm just going to be successful every time. Mm. This is what I was saying yesterday is that if you're successful every single time, you're not playing a big enough game. I agree. Have you read Mindset by Carol Dweck? I haven't. No. Oh my God. Well, that's, oh, that's literally, so I mean, you don't, you don't need to, cause that's literally what it's all about. It's so basically like alley. these kids that are, you know, always set up for success when they're young versus kids that when they're very young, their parents put them in situations where like, they're going to fail. They have more of a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. You don't have like a, I'm a failure. I suck versus I'm a winner. I'm great. I'm awesome all the time. You have like a, you know, Oh, this time I didn't get it and I can get better because obviously I need to, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that that is so, so important. And that actually is very timely for me because I start PT school in January and like, ah. I just feel, yeah, I'm very excited, but I'm also anxious, you know, with like COVID and all that. It's just, it'll be a really interesting time to be in school, even though my program is all of the didactics are online anyway. 
but I've been feeling like, oh shit, I have so much to do. Like I need to get all this stuff done. But just being where I am and just knowing that I'm doing as much as I can in this moment is just, it's comforting and it's also empowering, you know? Yeah, for sure. And you know, what's funny too, is that two things kind of related to it is that I have been thinking I was late since I was 16, right? When I was serious, because I was too late to start being a dancer. I was too late. You know, I got into acting at 18. I'm too late. I'm too late to do a musical theater, right? Too late. According to who? I can really relate to that. Right. According to who, who said you're too late. Right. It's the same thing. People start chasing these arbitrary numbers. Like I just need to make 10 K a month. As soon as I get to 10 K a month, I'm going to be okay. Well, my question to you is what causes you to think that you're all of a sudden going to get there once you do, if you're not happy now. Same with the amount of followers. People say that all the time. Because I'll tell you what, when I hit that 10K a month, it was almost worse because now I'm starting to have team, like I started to build out my team and now I'm starting to have more responsibility. It's a new level, new devil, right? And this also reminds me too, and I do live by this. I know this is a song. I don't know where it is, but wherever you are, wherever you go, there you are. That's the quote I was wondering. That's the quote. Wherever you go, there you are. And so- you know, if what, and I realized that too, right? I, the same person that I was when I was an actor was the same issues I was dealing with when I was a personal trainer. And then when I became a business builder, a marketer, a messaging person at every level, right? So it's almost better now. And this is too, when people come to me and they're brand new and they're like, oh, I've never done this before. I'm so excited because this is the perfect opportunity for you to test, try, get messed up. Nobody's watching you right? And that's not entirely true because even if you have a hundred followers, you've got a hundred people. That's like, have you ever spoken in a room with a hundred people, all eyes on you? That's what it's like. Yeah. And so you have to ask yourself if I'm too scared to post this with a hundred people watching me, how am I going to feel when there's a hundred million people watching me? This is so great. I'm also a firm believer too, right? And this is how I can stay relentlessly positive. And listen, I have my bad days. Believe me, I have my bad days. But whatever is given to me, I can handle. I know that. Nothing's going to be given to me that I can't handle, even if it feels like I can't. I know that there's a lesson in here. And this is a lesson I need to learn. And if I don't learn it, I'll just keep getting it. That's the best way to look at life, I think. Mm -hmm. It's not always easy. (laughs) <laughs> it's not always easy. We all right? need to adapt that mindset. Well, you know, I just think too, or, you know, have you ever, I mean, on about everything, your fitness goals, your business, your life, what is often most simple is not always the easiest, right. but you know, we're human beings. We love to complicate it. <laughs> <laughs> Bev, what do you do every day? It doesn't have to be every day. We ask everybody this question. Could be every day, every other day, whatever, to move your brain or move your body. I know what you're going to say. Do you? What am I going to say? Your 30 and 30 moms group. <laughs> I do love my 30 and 30 moms group. No, actually, I don't know. I'll tell you in full transparency, right? This pandemic and the lockdown really killed my movement mojo. I learned a lot about myself in terms of what, you know, my habits 
specifically around movement, right? So many people can work out from home. And I think that it is actually, you know, ironic, I guess, that my program was an at-home program. But for me personally, I hated it. I was working out six days a week and I literally never leave the house and going to the gym was the only time I could get out of the house. And so so that just really it really, not only did it kill my, my momentum, it just really hurt my mental health. Yeah. It just impacted me in a way that I wasn't anticipating. Also, I had stopped working in Manhattan. So I live in Westchester. So I would train in and then I would walk every single day from Grand Central to Chelsea. So then I lost that too. So it was really, you know, I, I took for granted stuff that most people don't do, right? It just was my natural everyday life. And I thought, oh, this is just who I am, which it is. And so when I lost it, I definitely missed it and realized, oh, I need to to just practice a little bit more gratitude. So for my movement every single day, I've really now committed to just making sure I get that, that walk in. If I don't get my workout in, which now that the gyms are open, I'm still working. I'm doing my workout four times a week now back in there for as long as possible. But I'm really committed to making sure that I walk and walk outside, even if the weather is not awesome, because that's just really what's going to help. What helps me clear my mind. It's fast. And there's always stuff mm-hmm. in there. <laughs> Where can we people can tell. find you? Yeah, it's definitely fast. You're a New Yorker. The best place to hang out with me is on Instagram at B Simpson Fitness. And really, I'm at B Simpson Fitness across all platforms, YouTube, all of it. But B Simpson Fitness is the best place to find me. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on, Beth. So this is going to be helpful for everybody, I think. Yeah. I love it. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast. Join in every week as we release new episodes. Subscribe or leave us a rating at Apple Podcasts. If you have questions or topics to cover, please email moveyourbb at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at moveyourbb.